Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 63 and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And this week we have a guest. Tazzy and I have discovered we need to talk to people about these stories and it's always better when we have a guest to do that with. So for this episode, we have presenter and content creator and was like five-time returning Story X Story champion, uh, Trista Bites. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. I feel like I need to just swagger into the room with a cape with some kind of stars <laughs> on it and like some kind of, you know, illegally sampled heavy metal music in the yes. background, my name in lights. So I'm quite happy with that. And I'm glad this is a podcast. You can't see me and you're unaware I'm just wearing a jumper. And just sat on a sofa. <laughs> oh, don't ruin the image. Don't ruin the image. I had that that proper ring walk, that music. You had the belt around uh, your shoulder. How they do it, you know, all that stuff. I'm gonna go with that image. But um, yeah, uh, so Bex has been on many times. I feel it's five times. I think I'm gonna have to go back and check and put up that leaderboard that uh, I keep talking about. But uh, she was last with us uh, last season, episode 51, where we talked about Full Metal Alchemist. And as always, you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. You can always send us feedback and questions to feedback at mymatter.com in our Discord or on social media. We are at mymatter on Twitter, at mymattertees on Instagram, or at Tazzy on both. As usual, we're going to get started with what is happening in the My Matter universe. <laughs> So we actually just got off an event, Gamepad Online. So that Twitch stream VOD is available. Oh, he says, yes, by the time this is up, you still got, if you're listening on the day it's released, it's up until Saturday. So you've got a bit of time. We also have the full uh, and extended versions of the interviews and panels we played as part of the event. They are now all on YouTube, so you can check all that out at your leisure. So we have Stefano Petrullo, founder of Renaissance PR. I spoke to journalist and presenter Shay Thompson, both of them about their journey into video games. I also did a panel discussing whether games are becoming too big to fail with journalist Imogen Mellor, indie developer Quang Nagoyan, and creative director Annie Gradeva. So all those uh, interviews and panels are available. We will drop the links in our show notes uh, to check those out. If you're listening to this on the Thursday, um, so we're going to be playing Roblox or we're going to be learning to play <laughs> Roblox. Um, yeah, that's pretty much how it's going to go. And uh, you can check that out. But if you did miss this, that VOD will be up for another couple of weeks. Studio 77 members can catch the replay or some kind of highlights from that whenever uh, you want as part of the membership. So memberships are open until the end of April. We'll close them, open them up again around the time of the next Gamepad online event in the summer. In terms of our manga, so we are now started the artwork for Serious Through the Fog, which is our latest manga, a pandemic-inspired story featuring Blake Serious and his uh, group, Supernova, having to deal with a pandemic that has disrupted their business plans and their goals. And it's a story about resilience and overcoming uh, in the face of just an uncertain future. Uh, so we're going to be 
revealing more about that to Kickstarter backers. We're also going to be uh, sharing bits on social media. So make sure you follow us there. Uh, and then I mentioned this before, but as part of the making of the story, it's been the first time we've been able to offer uh, work experience, uh, which is something we do as part of Gamepad. But in terms of the manga production, work experience for young people doing concept art. Uh, so that's been an interesting journey, something we'll sort of do more um, on. We just got a new intern, uh, concept artist intern that has started this week. And later in May, we're going to be talking to Bob Cheshire, who is a concept artist uh, who's worked with uh, Marvel, worked on Star Wars. And so we're going to be interviewing him, talking about his journey, what it means to be a concept artist, especially for those sort of massive uh, properties, and just giving us tips as, as we put together our, our stories. Like, yeah, how can we produce better concept art? Yeah, so you can look forward to that. And um, yeah, that's all that's happening in the Miami universe uh, so far. But uh, let's find out what everyone has been enjoying story-wise this week. Yeah, so this is the great part where we get to um, get a little bit into a spoiler-free discussion about what everyone has been reading, watching, or playing. Um, so we will start with our guest bex yes yeah, so normally i watch things which are which are you know pretty pretty you know in the cyberpunk world and the sci-fi world we considered fairly highbrow i guess you know i'm very into your snow piercers very into your ghost in the shells you know these kind of thinking person shows you know very much into those uh so what i've been watching for the last couple of weeks is a show on Netflix, which is a trashy Korean drama called Are You Human? Oh. <laughs> it is delightful trash. It really, really is. Um, if, if you want anything that pays attention to, to realism, any kind of internal consistency, anything like that, no, does not at all. So like storytelling, basically. <laughs> it's, um, it, I'll give you the concept, right? And then you can see why there's these sort of interesting holes around the the, the entire, entire plot here. It, it, it's not really spoiling anything. This is the basic setup for the show. Uh, mm -hmm. There's there's a woman who's a who's a scientist, and her kid's taken away by the grandfather to raise him to be part of this big Korean car corporation. And uh, she ends up leaving the country because she's not allowed to see him anymore. It's all very horrible. And um, she builds, as you do in your basement, a completely indistinguishable from humans uh, robot replica with AI. And this is this. No one else in the world has this technology. Nobody particularly questions this. He just stays at home. This doesn't cause any issues. Uh, and then, then the original son is injured, and robot son has to pretend to be real son in order to maintain his place at this company so it isn't taken by evil uncle villain character who literally <laughs> like smashes things and is very evil and um yeah they're, they're just it's just a completely human looking um robot that uh, if you have any questions it's not going to answer them <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so like apart from the fact it's a it's science fictiony cyberpunk type you know vaguely uh, it, it's not at all the sort of thing I normally watch. It's it's very sweet. And I say that as something that includes like hit people trying to bump people off and people getting hit by trucks. Somehow, 
It's just very, very sweet in a lot of ways. Slightly dark in other ways, like the tone of it's very strange. Like it's listed as a kind of romantic comedy type scenario, but like someone literally gets crushed with a truck, <laughs> like, and there's like blood across the pavement. You're just going like, so this is wait, but this is funny, but this isn't. But it's just very strange. But the the main, I, I guess, what you would call the main two protagonists of it. Uh, one of which is a completely indistinguishable from humans for no apparent reason, powered by watches. I, they haven't explained the power source either. Nothing, none of it makes sense. The two main protagonists are just somehow so likable that you just kind of go along with it. And um, I kind of watched the first episode and thought, this, this is, this is clearly terrible. And I'm still watching it, <laughs> and I look forward to watching it. So if you want something completely brainless that makes absolutely no sense, um, has sometimes a, a reasonable amount of blood, um, but is somehow also a very sweet romantic comedy with a robot, there's a recommendation for something a bit niche. I actually have it on my watch list because it like came up as a recommendation. And I wasn't sure like where it fits into my like viewing schedule. <laughs> so I sort of like have a few on the go. And I, I need exactly what you're describing. Like there is a currently an opening for like a casual show. That I can just yeah. It's it's a when you're eating dinner show. That's what it is. Excellent. It's, Excellent. It, there's there's something so sweet about it, despite the fact people are sometimes killing each other. You're like what? <laughs> um, but the the protagonist is just pulling you through. There's two. I won't say who the other one is because that would be going more into spoilery stuff. But um, yeah, just just. This just—it's a really lovable show, despite the fact it's just total trash. Um, so yeah, before that, I was watching—I was watching a whole bunch of really dark things. You know, I—I I love Snowpiercer. I was also watching Alice in Borderland, mm -hmm. which is amazing. If you haven't watched Alice in Borderland, it is brutal. There is blood and violence. I put that warning there just in case people are—you know—it it is a—it is quite a brutal, necessary brutality, not glamorized brutality kind of show. And the ending of that just had me go oh my god I need another season uh, so I was on this big binge watching of really dark layered well acted well written stuff and apparently I needed a break from that oh wow um yeah though no, like I'm glad that I got the opportunity to hear about it more because it doesn't really come across like that on well I didn't know what to make of it to be honest on the little Netflix trailer <laughs> Apart from I was like, oh, this looks kind of interesting. I still don't know what to make of it. And I'm like seven episodes in. <laughs> so I mentioned last week that I started watching The Way of the House Husband. I have since finished The Way of the House Husband. And I am now heartbroken because it's really, really short. <laughs> and I didn't realize it was because uh, I didn't look at how many episode numbers there was before going into it. I just got to the end and was like, what do you mean there's no, like, where's the next episode option? Why why is it not there? Bearing in mind as well, I watched this, like, only one episode a day while I'm eating breakfast to give myself, like, a strict routine so that I didn't watch it all in one go. And I'm very disappointed it just went along the same tone and just got more ridiculous is not the right word it just got like they added more characters that have like these yakuza backgrounds and of like and now doing like normal life things 
And it's just so funny. It's so chill and sweet. And I miss it already. <laughs> um, but because it is so short, it does mean I can just like pop it on at any point and watch I have to all check of this it. Out. Short is good. So you've got Yeah, of I think it's like five there. episodes. Oh, I could do that. Yeah, I like limited series. I think it's like nice to have that to break up some of the sprawling, endless series we have. Yeah, but it's um, so I like it's five episodes, but it's not. It's like twenty five because they're like mini episodes put into like one bigger episode to make an episode on Netflix. I don't even know how to explain it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're like these little micro episodes, and there's like however many in each netflix episode and they're all just like these individual things that happen to this house husband who is an ex-accuser <laughs> and like it the show makes you like doesn't let you forget that he's ex-accuser so everything's very dramatic like everything's about the way of the house husband as if it was the way of the accuser and it'll be like, you don't do it like this. This is the way of the house husband. <laughs> and then he like comes across these people from like his history. And they're like, it's the immortal dragon. And they're like really intimidated and scared because he's got this reputation. And he's like, I'm a house husband now. And they're really scared. And he's just there like doing something like pulling out a scarf. Like there's this one episode with this one bit where he gives someone a scarf. <laughs> and they're really scared he's just like have this <laughs> and they're like what <laughs> um, so it's just it's just a really funny like nice little short thing if you you need something there and then i've also just been watching falcon and the winter soldier um i think i'm behind nigel on this one so that's always interesting i haven't watched any i haven't watched any of it yet i massively just went through like WandaVision, I was like on the edge of my seat. And I think I just knew that Falcon and the Winter Soldier was going to be much more like standard MCU. And I just wasn't quite feeling that vibe. Apparently I wanted nonsense. Um, so I haven't <laughs> actually watched any of it yet. And I think I'm probably the only person who hasn't watched it yet. It is exactly more, you know, standard MCU. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Which episode are you on? Tazzy? I think, did I just watch episode three? Okay. I think the last time you'd watched the second episode, the last time we mentioned it. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't remember if I watched one or two episodes. I'm pretty sure I just watched one. Because again, it's not like I'm not on that, like WandaVision, I was the same. I was on the edge of my seat. This is more like, I'm watching it more like I'd watch a sitcom. Which is kind of ironic considering WandaVision was based on yeah. sitcom. <laughs> yeah. sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the edge of our seat for this. Pastiche yeah. of Bewitched. However, this one with the superheroes, sitcom, mate. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's really weird. I guess because we're just so used to that, like, beat bad guys, MCU, superpower, like, superheroes. Yeah, like, and it's, and it's like, I'm like, I'm really interested in the story, but I, I'm watching it more like I would watch, yeah, like a sitcom where I'm just there to, like, hang out with the characters for a bit. And then I'm going to go about my day. And that's yeah. not like to say it's not interesting. Because I like it and I like some, I like a lot of the stuff that they've added in there. Particularly with Falcon. 
and like just a dynamic between Falcon and Bucky. Like it just makes me laugh so much. That's probably like 90% of my reasons for watching it is just to continue to watch their interactions and how they're don't know if you can call it a friendship, but we're gonna use that <laughs> term. <laughs> um like how they how they're dealing with it. And I feel like the show, for me anyway, a big part of it is oh wow, I just realized it's kind of what one division was, is like them dealing with this loss of someone that was really important to them. Yeah, is and 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 the because there's an added responsibility because obviously at the end of Endgame you had uh Steve leaving falcon issue yeah and dealing with that as well yeah and yeah and then also like the idolism it kind of addresses idolism a lot so yeah it's not that i'm not enjoying it it's just that yeah i'm getting the feeling i'm gonna wait till it's done then just like binge watch the whole thing yeah i watch it like a movie but longer (laughs) that's kind of how i'm thinking of it i agree with what tazzy said i i feel the same like we were saying earlier like one division was because it was a new type of show and just the way they packaged that grief like uh, i remember hearing an interview with the writer i think writer and they were saying like they literally modeled the episodes on the stages of grief so you can see that develop as it goes and just the interesting format whereas falcon and the winter soldier is more like what you'd expect from an mcu film which is is neither good or bad it's just like you say tazzy when when it's what you expect then there's less of a you know, there's less of, oh, I need to watch the next episode right now because I already kind of know. But that's not to say it's not good because I'm on episode four and I like some of the things. I like that they're, because what Marvel are doing, they've had the the blip and I like that that's now, that's a thing. Like, so yeah. everyone's got to deal with it and you see how it's dealt with in different ways and the ramifications of that with different characters. And I, I like that, uh, what's that, con- that continuous sort of storytelling. Yeah, definitely. And it's the way it's referred to it, like the the blip, like it was World War Two or something. It's like yeah. the blip. But that's the thing, like in, in that scenario, that it would be like, you know, our World War Two, you'd always refer back to it because it's such a momentous event. Yeah, no, I completely, that's exactly what, and I am enjoying it. Like, I do feel like I'm left with a little bit of something that I want to know about each, at the end of each episode. It's like, oh, okay. So, but it's, yeah it's not it's not edge of the seat one division i think you do well to just watch it all in one go yeah that's kind of how i'm thinking obviously i won't be able to do that with loki because i don't have that level of self-control when it comes to watching any of the media that has loki in it (laughs) i'll just be watching an episode then shouting for seven days until the next one's out that's basically going to be my life in that month (laughs) but disney man they like give you one division as that's finished falcon winter soldier as that's finished is loki they, they've, yeah. they've got us. They've They're got like, us. You thought you was going to cancel? <laughs> yeah, that's why. <what, laughs> yeah, you, you, you just come and finish the show? No, we've got, we got 10 others. You've obviously seen the roadmap. You saw that thing that Kevin Feige put up. We got, we got you. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even going to get a membership until Loki was out and yet somehow got obsessed with WandaVision, even though I don't like Wanda or Vision. And now I like both of them <laughs> and I'm obsessed with their series and I hope they get another series. So they're doing something yeah. right. <laughs> Right, I feel like everyone's got the series that was like, I was waiting for this, but I got it the series before and loved it. Now I'm stuck here. Because <laughs> mine was like season two of The Mandalorian. Well, actually, I got it through a deal. So like it just came as part of a package. And I was like, I'm just going to watch The Mandalorian, then cancel it and then maybe come back for WandaVision. 
but no, <laughs> not how it went down. And I also just like having access to like all the all the Disney films, and then they had a Disney star, and then <laughs> Disney magic, <laughs> and then it's like okay. I give up. <laughs> yeah, it is proper Hotel California. You know, you can join join Disney Plus anytime you like, but Can't you can never leave. <laughs> um, yeah, so Nigel, what about you? Uh, so I've also been watching fucking Winter Soldier, but over in Prime Land. Um, so I managed to escape for a little while and started watching season two of Mr. Robot. So this is something I'm actually surprised I've not been watching this sooner because I am like really into technology and former software engineer. And I listen to a tech podcast that always referenced this, but it just took me a while to get into it. So I finally did and really enjoyed it. So, because I'm on season two, so I won't give too much away, but it's, it's for those who don't know, it's this um, show about this, uh, basically this guy who works as a cybersecurity engineer, but is also a vigilante hacker. So it's kind of engineer by day, vigilante hacker by night and the um he yeah so he, he works as part of this kind of group who are planning to take down this uh evil corporation which is called e-corp and you follow his journey but he's also very uh, i don't know what his condition is but he is there's a lot of anxiety <laughs> around him he's very uh introverted uh, he has, I think he's got sleep issues. He doesn't connect with people very well, except when he's hacking them, <laughs> then he knows all about them. Uh, so yeah, I really, really enjoyed the the first episode, but I was interested after the way the first, sorry, the first season, after the way the first season ended, I was interested how it could continue the format into a season two. So I'll just say that. And I'll just say that I'm so far pleased with how they're dealing with it because it's one of those things where i'm sort of dancing around the issue but it's one of those things where after you do it you can't repeat that so like okay where do they go from here so far yeah it's it's looking really good it's one of those shows for me that like says something like this show clearly says something about sort of corporate greed <laughs> i guess and it's, <laughs> its impacts and um the fight against that it's also something that represents a software engineering hacking in a pretty authentic way like I said, I used to be a software engineer, not a hacker, <laughs> even though some of the uh, the kids in the sessions... I, I like the way you answered the question nobody asked there. That's that's very suspicious, you know? Yeah, not, actually, not, yeah. not a hacker. <laughs> yeah, let me just not, get that not, out. Not, not let a me hacker. get out and follow not, that. Yeah. 100%. No, that, those aren't my my Swiss bank accounts. Carry on. I don't know what I don't know what you heard. Like I don't know, <laughs> not at all. You know, so because I'm doing this session in in a school, and I I told the kids like I'm a software engineer, and we we talked about programming, and they all want to talk about hacking. So I'm like in this space where I have to like no, not hacking, because they keep asking about it. Like, why are you so interested? Anyway, that's my excuse. Um, but the you you know because like programming is a dry thing to look at, so to dramatize that usually they take liberties so people who are who remember you know i've forgotten so much about what i used to do but they'll like look at it and say that just doesn't look real like it wouldn't go like that whereas this show i feel like somewhere on the staff someone has is a software engineer or they consulted with one more likely so it just feels very authentic um and i like it for that uh, angle as well so yeah i won't say any more because uh, i'll have to go into spoilers but enjoying I uh, really enjoyed that show and interested to see where it goes and what they continue to say in terms of the themes 
uh, of the show. So I recommend it for anyone who's into technology uh, and is against uh, evil corporations. So that is the stories that we have been enjoying. Uh, we're now going to get into our main story discussion. And today we are talking about the Japanese animated film Kiki's Delivery Service by Heo Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli. Uh, so this is a film that is from 1989, which I forget, uh, and kind of represented a, a milestone. So it was considered their first true blockbuster. It became a highest grossing film in Japan and then all the other ones <laughs> subsequently became that too, uh, but also found an audience outside uh, of Japan as well and sort of started that whole uh, trend. So as usual, a spoiler alert, we're doing a deep dive into the story, uh, all its intricacies and what that means for our lives because I feel like <laughs> it's going to be a very relevant discussion. I'll do a story summary, but before I do that, I want to get a quick overall impressions from each person uh, and then we'll get into it. So Bex, uh, let us know, what did you think about this film? I really love it. It's a very sweet slice of life, coming of age drama, um, if you also just happen to be a witch. And I love the way they handle the themes. I think it's all done in a in a really loving and caring manner so that you can correctly identify with the parts that you are supposed to and they, the way they relate to your real life and kind of using that little sprinkling of of magic, not for being dramatic or, or having grand adventures, but just the the magic, the spark in you, the life in you. I really love the way that they they do those kind of things. And um, I watched the film as an adult rather than as a child, and it is a little bit more aimed at children, although you can relate to it still very much as an adult. So yeah, I don't think I didn't watch it at the time as, as it mirroring my experiences at the time, but I could definitely relate to it, sort of like looking back at my youth. Hmm. Okay. And what about you, Tazzy? Did you watch it recently or when you were younger? How did you relate to, uh, to the story? I can't even remember the first time I watched Kiki's Delivery Service, to be honest. I'm trying to think. But I definitely didn't get it as much as I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love this film because it's just so... I don't know how they managed to get that perfect blend of like... It's quite like light and um, like Beck says, like slice of life coming of age thing. But it's still so gr like gripping, but not in the way that not like edge of your seat. Like I'm just drawn in and I'm completely absorbed by it until it's over. And I actually so I watched it again over the weekend. Not that I haven't seen it like a gazillion times. <laughs> Um, it's definitely like one of my go-to from them as like a like I just want to chill out and watch something. But I think I think it always speaks to me so much because of sort of like Kiki's struggle, and that's the bit that's like really, really like I connect with. Yeah, I get that. Um, so I was uh, Studio Ghibli how they're able to subtly tell a story. And then, like you say, Tazi, just like draw you in. So for me, I was kind of, I'm watching it. I'm like, this is cool. I like the story. I like the characters. Everyone's really nice. And then relatively late in the story that the, the key plot point is like hammered, relatively speaking, for this sort of story. And then I'm, I find myself, there's a moment where it just shifted. I'm like, I'm now 
<laughs> engaged because I, I get this. I understand. I feel this character <laughs> and I want to see the outcome of this story. So I like how Studio Ghibli are able to, yeah, just, I think I've said this on a previous because we covered a two or three uh, story previously. I've been able to just be patient with the storytelling and it feels very like slice of life. So you're along for the ride. And in that theme, those themes will like come out and you realize they've been layering in, lay, yeah, they've been layering all those, all those uh, points that then add up to this whole theme. And yeah, it's just really, so it's really good. It's I'm, I'm very impressed with how they're able to pull together these stories. And again, because this is, I mean, they're like all ages typically anyway, but I think this is one of the ones that sort of maybe skews younger in terms of uh, who can watch it, but still having those deep, meaningful themes that relate to people in sort of adult years. Mm. So, yeah, I'm just like, continue to be impressed <laughs> uh, with, uh, with the storytelling. So I will do a recap uh, and then we'll talk a bit more. So this is a story that takes us to a 13-year-old Kiki who is a witch in training and leaves home with her black cat named Gigi, who she can speak with. Kiki flies on her broomstick to the port city of Kuriko and is soon pursued by Tombo, a nice geeky boy obsessed with aviation who admires her flying ability. Kiki helps Asano, a nice and very pregnant owner of a bakery, by returning a baby's dummy to a customer. In return, Kiki is given accommodation in the bakery and opens a witch's delivery business, delivering goods by broomstick. Her first delivery goes badly. She is caught in a gust of wind and drops the black cat toy she is supposed to deliver. Gigi pretends to be the toy while Kiki searches for the real fake thing in the woods. She finds it in the home of a young and carefree and nice painter, Ursula, who mends the toy so Kiki can complete the delivery, complete the delivery and rescue Gigi. Kiki is later invited to a party by Tombo, but suddenly finds her hands even more full when a man drops off a large parcel for another delivery. Kiki delivers the parcel and meets an old woman and her housemaid. They want Kiki to deliver a herring pie to her granddaughter for her birthday. Kiki helps the woman cook the herring pie and also with a couple chores around the house, as you do. So Kiki and Gigi arrive at the granddaughter's party in the rain, but are left, left downtrodden when the granddaughter just dismisses her grandmother and the pie. Very disrespectful. I, uh, that was a deep moment for me. Uh, instead of going to the party with Tombo, Kiki goes straight to her room and later falls ill. When she recovers, Asano secretly arranges for Kiki to see Tombo by assigning her a delivery address to him. After Kiki apologizes for missing the party, Tombo takes her for a test ride on the flying bicycle machine thing that he's working on. Kiki warms to Tombo, but is put off by his friend's teasing and walks home alone. She later becomes depressed and discovers she can no longer understand Gigi, who now spends more time with a next door female cat anyway. She has also lost her flying ability and suspends her delivery business. Ursula then visits her and suggests that Kiki's crisis is a form of creative block and that if Kiki finds a new purpose, she will regain her powers. So while visiting a customer, Kiki 
sees a live news report of an airship accident with Tombow hanging from the drifting vessel. Kiki rushes to the scene and rescues him by flying a borrowed broom, regaining her powers and her confidence. She resumes her delivery service and writes home to say she and Gigi are fine, but that there are still times when she feels homesick. The end. So as I was watching this and just thinking that this might be the like the nicest film <laughs> uh, ever made. Like I feel everyone is just like super nice in this. And I have, I have this quote from a website, uh, Movie Mezzanine. Uh, it said, uh, the narrative is comprised almost entirely of those nice people doing nice things to each other. And the overall tone of the film is incredibly friendly and genial and nice, which <laughs> I just feel like captured this. Like it's such a nice film. Uh, mm. Did you feel that? Yeah, definitely. I'm also going to jump in here and say, which version of the film have you guys watched? So we're all on the same page because the ending is not the same. Oh, ah, wait, so what? I watched the English dub. Which English dub? There's two. Whatever one Netflix fed to me. So that's probably the latest version of the English dub, which is yes. called the restored version. So it's back in line with the Japanese original. But the first dubbed version actually changed the ending. And made it so Gigi spoke to Kiki right at the end when he jumps up on her shoulder. So that's that's like the now depreciated alternate (laughs) ending, which sort of trashed the whole message of growing up. Yeah. I so okay, that answers a lot of questions for me because I've watched this in dubbed and subbed Mm -hmm. and on Netflix and I have the DVD, which I'm gonna Mm guess is the the first the first english dubbed and like whenever i get to that end bit i'm i can never remember and i always get really confused i'm like i feel like every time i watch it i watch it in different you like, quite different possibly one. have and i'm like because there's different music in the original version of the english dub as well uh, which i didn't know was kirsten dunst until recently <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um yeah so originally on the first american release they decided that they didn't really like the sort of downer implication the girl stopped talking to her imaginary friend effectively with imagining her cat could talk back. Uh, so they made him speak right at the end, which like totally like a, changes it. We need everything to be happy and happy and there, there can be no yeah, kind because of they, to it. They didn't quite take the, you know, part of what a lot of the Studio Ghibli movies have, especially the things that um, Miyazaki puts together, is the inevitability of growing up can seem scary, but it isn't. But that's quite mm. a subtle message. So they do try and change it slightly sometimes with those American dubs. Um, and after Nausicaa was turned into Warriors of the Wind and then after this happened, that's when the, these are the incidents that stopped any Studio Ghibli movies being translated for ages. Right. <laughs> this is why we had none for years of unofficial translations. And yeah, so that, okay, so... So Tazzy's seen every version. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I get confused all the time, which makes sense Which is totally valid. (laughs) Nigel, you've seen the English dub, but it sounds like you've seen the restored version where Gigi doesn't talk. I've seen the uh, Japanese with English subtitles. And apart from clips, I haven't seen the English dub in its entirety at all. So that's quite, we've we've all got a slightly different (laughs) inroad. So just when people argue that there was speaking or or a song somewhere and someone else says there wasn't, we're all right. We've cleared that up, yeah. (laughs) That's really really interesting. And yeah, I can can understand why 
that change would be made. I don't agree with like making Gigi talk at the end because, like you say, it completely undermines the whole point of the mm. story. But it's one of those. So when I watch like Ghibli films, it it just feels different because this kind of theme and the kind of issues that are discussed, like I said, very subtle, and we'll kind of we'll get into it. But it's like I feel if this was a Western-made film, the problems would have been highlighted and signposted. Oh yeah, way earlier, and it would mm-hmm. be like this is the problem, <laughs> this is my problem, and this is what I'm going to solve. And, there's, you know, you can do that in a film, but it's just that I like the nuance and the subtlety of the Ghibli films, and I like that. You have to actually think and just take it in. Mm. And it's interesting that that it's been, like, there's a restored version now in the English dub, because I recently brought this up on stream. Like, well, it was specifically talking about video games at this point, but, like, how much used to get changed to make it more accommodating for a, specifically an American audience, which just meant that a UK audience would also get that because they're not going to translate stuff to English twice. <laughs> which is funny because now a lot of, specifically in video games, people seek out the Japanese versions because they want those like original state of the game yeah you want the story that was told yeah um and just how people are more can can like digest those more easily now so that maybe we're i mean yeah we're kind of like starting to get less of those overly translated and can like get more get get it more it's like oh it might not be our existence but we get that that's what happened that's more culturally relevant there yeah i feel people were you know there was this this idea that you know the american audience they won't go for xyz but i feel Mm. with i guess streaming service and different stories of help is that you see people can we can take a story like you know a a particular story might not be for everyone but you know you don't need to undermine the actual point of the story just to like i'm I'm not gonna i'm gonna hate it or or things like that so yeah i I think it's good that they i think they're starting to learn the lesson as well because after especially with the, you know, taking things from another country and reworking them and then having the having people like have a massive backlash against this. I think they're kind of accepting now that, oh, maybe we are a bit more global. Maybe people are aware of the original source. Maybe they don't necessarily want their Pokemon characters to claim they're eating donuts when it's clearly rice cakes or whatever. Like yeah. maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe our audience isn't as stupid as we thought they were. And like respect that, just respect your audience's intelligence a bit more. Yeah, and I think that happens more and more, which is which I think is a really really good sign. Although I do have some fondness for some of the preposterously mistranslated like eighties and nineties anime dubs. Um, (laughs) I recognise that you know like maybe that maybe that was not done for it to be the best thing for the story translating is an incredibly nuanced and complicated thing to do and i think now they approach it more in a we're trying to preserve the original intention kind of way and i think to be honest they learned from the fan subs and the fan dubs definitely because yeah. we used to get like i used to reject like i i took i used to take stuff back to hmv because i was just like this is terrible and then i used to get <laughs> fan sub files and stuff off online because i was like i want to pay for this but honest to god you're giving me like rubbish here this is terrible <laughs> like i remember taking something back because i was just like i'm not paying money for this when like characters were literally had subtitles under their name under the underneath them where they were not speaking in the japanese version so i was like okay so the subtitles are trash they're just the the, the dub titles they are the english translated version in text they aren't at all a subtitle 
and they just kept dumbing stuff down and changing things and and yeah everyone was going and getting the the fan subs instead which are hugely nuanced included translations for signage and in jokes and little explanations in different colors and allowed you to really get into it more so it's nice to see that they're kind of doing that and making these other versions uh, i almost feel like for kiki because a lot of people grew up with that i've read a lot of american chatter online where they grew up with the original dub release and they didn't include it as an alternate audio track on the blu-ray because obviously studio ghibli massively did not like the fact that they did those changes and they weren't consulted either that was they were didn't consult them about anything they were adding so um it's been taken off but some people's childhood memories of the other version especially when it had extra songs and you're kind of like oh that's very complicated at that point yeah definitely so in terms of the the story itself like uh Bex, you mentioned so it's a coming of age story but it has a certain twist because she's a witch so there's a twist there uh so in the idea of a coming of age you've got that focus on the growth of a character usually younger character of the story uh, so it avoids like typical cliches like absent parents or particularly romances or school which you know uh, with an anime is good to avoid uh, schools because i feel that's been done uh, enough uh, but i was interested to see like the idea of this character who's put in a new situation so the the fact that she's a witch going from this old world to a new advanced city that's seemingly moved past the need for witches because the whole idea is that she's going to be a was it like a resident witch that was the idea but she gets to this town and people are looking at her like kind of weird and they don't have a witch there already she's like okay cool i'm gonna stay here but they don't have a witch because they don't care about <laughs> witches so i thought that was an, uh, an interesting idea of moving from traditional to advance i always like that in stories well it's the opposite as well this is one of the things i always loved about it is you look at every children's coming of age story and they all follow that normal child goes to narnia normal child turns, you know goes to wizarding world normal you know it's always that way around and it's always like going from normal world to magical world and mm. this is the opposite it's yeah. magical child <laughs> going to regular city but thinks the city is magical because it's the opposite to them. And it's child leaving home rather than parents getting bumped off or whatever the normal uh, impetus is. So I quite like that complete swap. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. And also um, it's that Kiki is also in herself quite, she's not really, a, she doesn't really follow the tradition of a witch either because it's even like her comment on like her dress, like why do we have to, wear back and her wanting to go to this city and find it just being like yes perfect yeah she was ready she was like i'm going like, now yeah. <laughs> and she's just like are you sure <laughs> um and like yeah just this idea that she's also like ready to she's ready to experience new things but like not just what other people dictate on you it's like everyone's so timid around well like Gigi and her parents are so like oh are you sure like you're ready da, 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 da. she's like yes <laughs> <laughs> she's like bring it to me <laughs> that's a good point she's very like open um and it's like more extroverted character she's like i'm ready to go this new situation meet new people and then become a, a resident witch 
uh, and then she ends up selling bread. But we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I, I thought was quite cool in terms of like the, the idea of this coming of age and moving from childhood to adulthood is like the symbols around that, uh, and particularly as I finish up writing uh, serious the new serious story. And just thinking of like, how can I symbolize some of these themes that I've got in here? So like my antenna is like uh, up on that when I see it in other places. And uh, I like this idea of her, to your point, Tazzy, like her being quite independent, like I'm, I'm going to do this. And when she's about to leave her, her town, her witch's town, she's like, I've got my, I even made my broom. But it's her mother who says, no, take my broom. Like it's, it's older and it's better, <laughs> first of all, and you'll get you there. And then her cat as well kind of represents, you know, her link to her childhood. So when at the start of the film, they can talk and she hears him, we hear him. And that is lost by the end of the film. But then also, I didn't even pick up on this uh, initially, but her broom that represents the sort of bond with her parents actually breaks. Mm. And that's like another symbol of her becoming an adult and, you know, coming of age in the story, which I thought was like really subtle I, I sort of missed it but you get that uh, when I was reading up and putting these notes together it's like oh yeah the, the, the broom breaks and that's her becoming like an adult and losing that connection to her parents yeah and even the cat gets a you know the cat gets a girlfriend and you see the kittens yeah. in the post you know the yeah. credits and stuff <laughs> like they're on parallel journeys I think those post credits as well now that you've brought them up those post credit they are all credits they're during credits um, <laughs> but they are like brilliant and a really great way to close off a story because a lot of stories leave you like you just kind of want to know what happened next but you don't need you don't need to be told like it doesn't need to be in there um and the way it just sort of gives you a little montage of what's gone down because the story ends pretty quickly after sort of after the main resolution and it's like uh, and it ends and but then like you say you still get the okay what happened to them in the credits i think that's a nice way to do it because we get the story mm. but then it's like if you're interested um well you know why not sit through the <laughs> credits and, and watch that and see what happens afterwards without dragging the story any longer than it needs to be so yeah i like that and, and like i said it's this uh yeah the patience uh of miyazaki to because as I was watching it, as I mentioned before, I was sort of watching it, enjoying it. And then it was that, that key plot point of her making the delivery to the granddaughter who just dismisses uh, the pie and then her losing her ability to fly. And then I was like, oh, right, that's what this film was about. But that comes quite late. But yeah, like I mentioned already, but I feel like if this was a sort of Western story, that plot point, that oh, my life's work is being dismissed and everything, and I'm going to go into sort of a more sad slash depressed state. That would have come, like, way earlier. But then in doing that, you might have lost the... I don't even know what it is. Like, just the nuance of it. Just who uh, Kiki is, what she's trying to do, and just identifying with that before being hit with the... I don't even like this pie anyway, or my grandmother. After she's watched all that effort go into it and how... I'd be like, oh, leave it with me then, I'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that headstrongness, isn't it? She sets off quite headstrong and then she realises the city is actually big and no one's really that pleased to see her, but it's still cool. But then she gets a job, but then 
Then she's, you know, all those shots of her listfully kind of just bored at the counter in the bread shop, just like, this isn't quite what I expected. And that is very much something that, that that's some of the stuff that as an adult, you look at it and you go, yeah, you were those times <laughs> when I was a kid and I wanted to be, have this exciting job and you mostly are just leaning at a counter, like going, no one's even in the shop. That's quite relatable. And it's it, rather than it being like a big, massive thing, which I think is what would have happened possibly if it were a Western children animated movie at the time, rather than being a big dramatic thing that happened it's more like all these little things happen and you know uh tomo just sort of liking she's like starts thinking he just likes her because she knows how to fly and she starts getting those doubts and then that's just like the final straw on the camel's back which is much more how life is exactly yes it's way more relatable in that and you are you're just slowly building up and these little things are just being piled on her and you can just really relate and I, I think like I said earlier as a kid I I didn't get it <laughs> not at least at least not to how I get it now but I get it and it is that thing sometimes you you watch a story through like today's lens and like mm. what you've been through and uh we talked about soul uh recently on this podcast that was a whole existential thing this wasn't necessarily as big but that moment because we see up to that point we see kiki she wants to be this witch she's gone to this town people aren't really feeling her we don't really need a witch but she's here i'm gonna make the best of it she says uh like you know my only skill is flying and she does a good deed so she gets the delivery service up and running her first delivery doesn't go so well but she she makes it work she you know makes it work she gets the the cat gg in place she goes to get the the thing she's supposed to deliver even that kid doesn't really care like <laughs> about the toy but it's cool we're, we're good we delivered it we got our first we got paid for it all good gets another thing we meet this nice old lady i've helped her make this pie and you know she's gonna we're gonna deliver it to her grateful granddaughter we get there it's raining it's cool we're gonna we're gonna make it this is my business we get there I don't even like pies. I don't even like, like this thing. I don't care. And that just like hit me because it's like you work for something, you you put it out and then just be, someone just dismisses it like it's nothing. And after that point, I was like, oh man, <laughs> that's that's hard to take. That's a hard thing it's to like take. It's like life kind of just deflating you. And like it's only just occurring to me now that literally as she gets deflated and kind of collapses onto the bed a bit and and things in a, in a world where they've still got, it's worth mentioning, there's still flying machines and zeppelins and things. Like it's a, it's a non-Second World War romanticized European type village that they're that they're in and mm. she gets deflated by life and then she can't fly and my brain's now just going hang on a minute is there a literal like thing going on yeah. there between the emotional and it's not just her spark is it like literally like to do with with just just collapsing and that's why she can't leave the ground mm. yeah yeah so it, like, it all yeah fits together in terms of like yeah flying as like a creative spark and yeah just being totally grounded by that and how like i just want to get like a voice show of hands <laughs> <laughs> um, of how much we can and if you can relate to her like to the idea of putting all of that work in to your own business yeah. <laughs> and it working so hard and it just getting to that point where you're just 
exhausted and don't really have much to show for it yeah oh this is i yeah this is today this is <laughs> as, as as recent as as today just just that's why that moment because after she went home and because it was raining and she got a cold and people thought she was sick I was like that didn't even occur to me <laughs> like the, the idea that she'd be sick from the rain I was just like wow you just got no love from all this work like what's the point kind of thing that's why and I remembered oh yeah and you're sick too mm. so yeah I'm very relatable definitely I've had that situation I don't know how many times <laughs> <laughs> and I like that the so this is a story with that with that theme so that's the idea so from there it's about how do we rediscover that spark and what do we need to do to be able to fly again in the context of this coming of age so she's also growing up and another thing uh, i like about uh, miyazaki's work is the ability to explore like themes through different characters again in a very subtle way so i remember when we talked about princess mononoke and the idea of um which I think I just learned about that technique at the time, but that four corner opposition where you kind of, you have your protagonist and your protagonist represents a particular sort of viewpoint and carries that theme forward. They then meet an antagonist who's sort of the opposing sort of presence in that story. But then you also have two uh, other opposing characters that represent different angles uh, in the theme. And here uh, we have characters that kind of allow us to explore that theme of what it means to have this spark and lose it because you're essentially overworked you burnt out but then how do you rediscover it so in terms of the characters we you know we know kiki sort of what she's about using her skill losing her skill and confidence uh, and powers and then you've got asano who sort of represents like work because <laughs> kiki's working because of her and like i say everyone's nice in this story so no there's no like i'm going to work you uh, like a dog until you uh die it's not that kind of thing it's just like yeah just put your skill to good use and then you have tombo who's like like i sort of saw him and you gotta tell me what you think but i saw him as the you know if you're doing like a business or you, your skill and someone who can't do it is like wow you can do this thing that's amazing like i want to do this thing too i'm going to build this bike which has this weird <laughs> propeller thing on it because i want to be like you but you don't understand like, what, what it is to kind of lose that i don't know if, if you got that from him like that person who can't do what you can do but just so like amazed by your ability to do it yeah he's also just like just has such an enthusiasm for the one thing that she does naturally that's, so yeah. kind of appreciates what I mean, she doesn't take her flying for granted before she loses it, but it's something that's always been part of her life. And that's kind of that external voice that's kind of like, well, what you can do is amazing. And she doesn't necessarily realize that herself, I think, by some of the some of the points in the film, which literally stops her being able to do the amazing thing. And I, I feel this in, um, I mentioned this all the time, but I work with young people, do storytelling, like creative storytelling sessions, creating like, or helping like kids create comics uh, comic stories and characters and sometimes like, I have to take a step back and remember like I can do something that not everyone can necessarily do not that I'm you know saying I'm I'm the best at it but there'll be times in in a session where like kids are struggling with a story and they're like oh I don't know how to what this character should do or some ideas and I'll just like think of something and they'll be like oh yeah 
but in my mind, I'm like, how did you not think of that? I was, that's, I didn't even spend any time thinking about it. That's just one thing. You can, you can have it for free. I'll give you that one. <laughs> but you can think of so many things. But sometimes you forget when you just do something, you forget that, oh, I can do this. Not everyone in the world can do this. And yeah. that's why I kind of like Tombow. Also about Tombow, I will say uh, that guy can knows how to show up looking sharp. Because when he came to pick <laughs> oh, up Kiki, yeah. I was I was very impressed. He was like, I, I thought he was going to come in the same clothes. He, yeah. he he came he came proper. Yeah, he came hair combed everything. Everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like I'd never really thought about that for him, like as a character. I just never. But now, like you've both sort of made points, I'm like, oh yeah. And, I, and I've, I've had tombos in my life as well. Like, you know, the people that are really like, wow. And I'm like, I'm literally just functioning. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like, I haven't even thought much about this. I think even, um, I've got it written down somewhere, but Kiki says later on that without even thinking about it, I used to be able to fly. Now I'm trying to look inside myself to find out how I did it. Mm. I've also been there. <laughs> so she says that to Ursula, who's another mm. character on this, like this four corner uh, opposition or exploring theme through characters. And she's just like the creative spark. I'm out in the woods. I'm not in society. I'm just doing my own thing. And she's like the free kind of uh, spark that helps Kiki gets back to where she needs to be to be able to fly again. Yeah, she's that supportive friend that you need. And I like the way this this film also really reinforces like good coping mechanism it's like she goes to her friends and her friends help lift her up and advise her and she takes a break and like that's probably stuff i could probably listen to a lot more (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i definitely feel that (laughs) no yeah i agree like she really is that that character that every creative or entrepreneur or anyone who is in control of what they what they focus on their their work or creative outlet because you you do and I've said before I I need my friends to drag me out <laughs> and to make me stop so that I can recharge and I I like that that's included and it's not just because I know, like, I feel like a lot of films and stuff just make it as if you can just do all that on your own. Like, we don't need help. And they'll have a strong character and they'll be like, oh, you know, they've lost their spark. But they just believed and then magically they made it through. Hmm. I think I see generally thematically in Japanese media aimed at teens. I see more of that kind of how important friendship bonds are. I mean, like Sailor Moon is like literally just based on the fact that if they weren't all friends and working together, like the world would probably get blown up like every season. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do like that. And I think some of the stuff that especially the stuff I watched as a kid that would have been coming out about the same time didn't really have that as strong. Yeah, because it's like that different perspective, but it is really important that you... And again, it's like with the themes, and I'll speak about this later, but you're exploring different sides of it. So like I said, everyone's nice in this. So Asano is not sort of mean in the way she, like she represents that work, but it is that you just do something until you burn out and then you need the other characters. You need that Ursula to remind you that to take a break. We all need that, definitely. Let me just speak for myself. I need that. Um, <laughs> that self-care moment. Yeah. But uh, let me not leave out Gigi. 
because <laughs> this <laughs> this is the physical manifestation of the negative voice of doubt in your head turned into a cat <laughs> and it's hilarious <laughs> but he's like we're gonna go like are you sure we're gonna do this uh duh, i don't know even there's a line where as they get to the new city and uh kiki's like the optimist she's like there's so many beautiful buildings and Gigi's like there are a lot of buildings yes <laughs> like, <laughs> that is all i will acknowledge there are buildings i see them <laughs> and when they get there it's like you sure you don't want to go back home but it's that that voice that uh, I think especially for like, creative things is like, are you sure about this? Do you know what you're doing? Why did you think you could write this story? Uh, mm. <laughs> I think you need to rethink your life choices. Is that kind of, kind of voice? But it's adorable because it's a cat. I just like the fact as well that that negative voice isn't demonized into like a terrible enemy or monster. It's literally... <laughs> the cutest, most merchandisable thing yeah. about the entire film <laughs> is the is is the cat and that kind of and it's that repertoire between those two parts of your mind. And it's I, I like the way they, they showed that without it being an antig antagonistic relationship. Definitely. I just was gonna say there's just one moment uh, like right when they land when the police officers chasing them and uh or like writing them up and before um, Tombo distracts him and the police officer's like, wait here. And then Gigi doesn't, <laughs> um, the Kiki doesn't. And Gigi's just like, what are you doing? Like he said, to wait. He said, wait. <laughs> and I just thought, Gigi, you're such a snitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I feel like that's how I think of my inner doubtful voice. Sometimes I'm like, can you just stop like calling me out and being a snitch? Like, yeah, just let it go. <laughs> let this one go. It also was probably the slightly more sensible voice at that point. Not running away from the police is probably yeah. would have been the sensible thing. So it also frames that sort of doubt about the impulsiveness. Like maybe occasionally listen to the voice that says, don't leg it from the police when you're a witch and you're highly recognizable in the city. <laughs> yeah and i think that just goes back to your point about it not being this demonized voice and it just being a part like and it's it's a voice yeah and sometimes it you need it <laughs> and it not being demonized and not being made to a complete negative it's a doubtful voice but necessary well it needed to be outgrown not overcome or destroyed or anything drastic and i also want to give a small shout out to the other witch who i don't even, i don't even know if they have a name or not the other witch that flies oh, past her at oh, one point her. and it's like the way the perfect example of like the mean girl of witches yeah well she's not i mean she's yeah she's a bit she of a is, mean girl she but she's like sleek her dress is sleek and fitted the lines of the way she is drawn is fitted her broom is neat and her cat is neat and then there's like kiki and gigi that just clearly look like they've fallen off their broom several times <laughs> and i i loved that characterization and you kind of like so this other girl also has her voice of slight doubt and things she has her own pet cat as all the witches do when they're young and I just like the way that they really clearly showed with the visuals that the cats were mirrors of the girls by showing mm. that other example. And I just I just love that as a freeze frame moment, you know? Yeah. And she's also the witch because after that conversation, then it gets Kiki thinking about, you know, what's my skill? Because I think she doesn't she ask the question like, what's your skill? 
that comes up in a brief conversation. Yeah, when she's showing off about how she's a fortune teller. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then that kind of enters Kiki's mind, so it sets off sets off on that path in uh, in a small way. So yeah, it's it's just really cool to see how the different characters kind of all contribute to the theme. Like to say something overall, but not. It's not like everyone's the same. Like everyone's different. Everyone brings their thing to the story. Does anyone have any like favorite characters? Asano's husband. Oh yeah. <laughs> absolute favorite character even though he doesn't really say, doesn't say anything <laughs> i just love like every moment he is on the screen is magical <laughs> when he's spinning the trays showing off to Gigi. yeah <laughs> and then when he makes the uh Kiki sign out of the bread and he's waiting for her but doesn't want her to know that he's waiting like there's just not one moment he's on screen that is, I, I'm not thinking oh my god this precious human being yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> just like that quiet attentive husband <laughs> it's a nicely done character there's also like I read recently which I hadn't thought of or spotted but there's like some people reckon that because the characters in Ponyo so Ponyo and I've oh, forgotten yeah. the name of the 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 lad that um that she becomes friends with kind of looked like they were drawn to be like younger versions of them so people have started headcanning that maybe they somehow oh. grow up into mm. this lovely couple <laughs> and move to the city which is also like a nice sort of feeds into <laughs> that lovely kind of friendship relationship type thing yeah so, i like that that theory i think that's just a fan headcanon i don't think that's confirmed but they they, they do like their easter eggs there's easter eggs in kiki so maybe ponyo like partly had an easter egg in the design of their characters as well which is kind of a lovely thought very wholesome headcanon in there yeah <laughs> so i like that but yeah i think i don't even know oh actually i did like the the two old ladies and they were i found them quite quite charming although one of them was very very eager to see the disaster she was like I, do you know why because he just reminds me of so many like old ladies <laughs> i was like known where they're just they're just like their lives aren't that interesting you know they just and they just love the the disasters because <laughs> yeah, she was, <laughs> it's just adventure right? she was like she mentioned it and I was like, oh no, that's really bad. But is she the way she was talking about it, she's like she's like enjoying it. I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> did you have something to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> so excited over it. They're just overexcited about life. Like it'd be an interesting alternate, not so wholesome headcanons. They secretly cause all the disasters in the city. Um but if she's <laughs> actually uh, an older witch <laughs> that has gone under the rainbow, she is overly curious about it the was her all along. And the, uh, the clock tower caretaker oh, does say, not for a long time. So <laughs> Yeah, she did try and get on the broom, didn't she? Mm. We can make something of that. Definitely. <laughs> Maybe she didn't get the spark back and she never flew again and forgot in her old age. There's various ways you can read into it, but I don't yeah. know what, you know, if that's if that's the case or not. Ooh, exciting extra headcanon to be had there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, 
as I usually like to do is pull out the themes. We've kind of done that. I think we've hit on the main themes, but just as I was watching it and kind of taking mental notes, because the idea of that transition from sort of the traditional to contemporary kind of made me think of a future samurai chef story where I'm trying to piece some some ideas together basically because there's the samurai chef is like um this very traditional samurai chef doesn't say much just does his job and in a future story after the events of the first one for people that have uh, read that read that story I want to I wanted to play with this idea of this this old school person in a new setting and struggling uh, with that, like Kiki's delivery service doesn't necessarily hinge on that idea, but it, it is part of her coming of age. I, I like that touch. So it's just basically to say I'm like now taking mental notes uh, <laughs> after that, uh, after that story. But and then we've spoken about it just yeah that that struggle of the small business. It's weird that because this is from 1989, and just when you hit on like good themes, they just they transcend time, right? Yeah, and like yeah, the idea because she keeps putting other people's needs before ourselves she takes on difficult jobs and then she hits that point where the work becomes boring before she's even dismissed and then that sort of final nail in the coffin uh for her but yeah it's a very relatable journey that she goes on uh from that uh, from that idea and i remember talking to uh one of the uh, animators Wes from the line an animation studio and he was talking about this film in a similar context in terms of him being someone who animates and having to struggle with that this thing i like doing he now has a sort of company that is like doing major projects with like game studios and uh did some really cool animation with league of legends for their sort of esports event uh back when events were a thing and he was saying like how now it's work he kind of went through that period of oh, now it's different. It's different when something becomes like work and I have to do it. And mm. when you add on that, people are dismissing it or it's not where you want it to be. It's just this this bad combination that you have to kind of work through. Yeah, and I think that Kiki definitely has that because like you look at some of the ways like the flying is animated because the, like, the animation in this is drop-dead gorgeous. And you get like, especially when she's first going like towards city and stuff you have like flying around the city and you have these beautiful aerial shots that are stunning and things and then when stuff goes starts to go wrong she's literally like dropping things out of the air or the wind takes her out of the air and that's kind of quite a good metaphor for that creative process that your friend went through like now it's work and now when there's wind it isn't just like a fun thing I've actually like dropped product I need to be delivering to someone and (laughs) it's that kind of change i didn't even notice that yeah is is mad and then we talked about uh, ursula but yeah she brings in that idea of like how to deal with losing your your spark so her being able to fly of being equated to the creativity that ursula has uh, as a painter and then she's giving her like these these tips for i guess yeah getting overcoming burnout essentially and and reminding you know, when you're in that, uh, I I don't know if this is an actual phrase, but like struggling artist syndrome. Um, if it's not a phrase, it probably should be because I feel like it, it's a thing and there's self-doubt uh, around that. So yeah, it, and the quote, uh, the other quote I was trying to remember is when she's with Ursula and they're sort of reflecting and then Ursula mentions the uh, the why. So we talked about her why and 
uh, so Kiki mentions like, I guess I never gave much thought to why I wanted to do this. I got so, so caught up in the training and stuff. Maybe I have to find my own inspiration. And I, I feel that as well. And uh, there's a book uh, I'm going to put in the show notes for uh, people, but it's a book by Simon uh, Sinek uh, called Start With Why. I don't know if, if either of you have read that. I've not no. read it, but I've like studied its teachings and read a lot of books that are based off that same concept. Yeah, so he just talks about how, I think he's talking in the context of companies, but it just yeah applies to whatever you're doing. It's like start with like why you are doing this because oftentimes, especially like as a small business, there that will push you past the the many many reasons to not do <laughs> uh, what you're doing in face of all evidence. Um, but if you remember like why like you are doing this, and he gives examples. I think there's a he did a TED talk and he talks about like the difference between Apple. Uh, and Dell were like Apple start with their or did uh, it's different it's like different company now but uh, start with their why like what are we trying to do and people kind of attach themselves to that so that's mm-hmm. why Apple can make computers and then make an iPod and then make a tablet and then make earphones and whatever and you'll, you'll get it whereas like Dell like if it's not a computer I'm not interested <laughs> because Dell focus on the what uh, and how and the other stuff whereas Apple uh, at least up until a point was about the the why so yeah, I recommend that book. But that line, just that, why do you do this? I feel it's so important to uh, to keep in mind. And I think just to touch, like, just if you're listening and you're and you're thinking you've got like this craft or this creativity, and you're like, but I don't have a why, which is where I was at, especially when I was told about this book. I found it so hard to discover my why, and that like you can have a balance of both. Have the question, what is your why? while you're doing and that is like a way better approach than trying to discover your why and then start because you're anything like me then yeah that that was just like that stopped me from being able to do anything because i was like well i don't have a why oh, okay, okay. <laughs> i'm existing i was born i didn't choose that that's weird <laughs> yeah because no, I'm alive I and I need to do something. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, my like, why didn't do come it. much later. Yeah, and, and that's fine. Like you can, it doesn't necessarily need to sort of. I know the book is literally start with why, but um, yeah, it's, it's kind it's of having it helping you to get mind. to there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think certainly for me because like we just started, like uh, me and Lau. But part of the thing that helped me is when I start doing these workshops uh, with young people and. Uh, I know I still keep talking about it, but when uh, one of the sessions I'm doing now, I think after coming back from uh, the most recent <laughs> lockdown um, and just re- restarting things, and like one of the kids like telling me, "Oh, like, I thought about all these stories, and um, I'm having this brainstorm," and she was like, "Really? Like, yeah, I'm gonna come and do something." And it's like that kind of thing. Is like this is why. This is why you want more of these kids to be able to believe in their ideas and you know whatever they're going to do if they're going to do comics or something else but just believe in their ideas and come like confidently and, and talk about it and tell me like what all these characters that you're gonna uh do which uh, i'm gonna be checking up on but yeah it kind of helps so when you go through that you know kiki goes through like rain and being dismissed and all that and you're sort of taking time to reflect on that side of things uh, i say that i'm terrible at following my own advice but <laughs> hopefully that <laughs> that helps someone uh, and i'll put that, that link in the show notes for anyone to check out aside from that 
is there like does anyone have any any particular standout moments that we haven't touched on no i think i just want to generally say the world building the tiny background details and the art are incredibly stunning and even if you just were to watch it randomly pausing at keyframes without paying any attention to what was going on it would still be beautiful to watch and mm. just urge anyone that, that that hasn't watched it or hasn't watched it in a while to to check it out especially now it's on streaming services i'm a second that <laughs> yeah, and yeah. buy all the gg merchandise because you know you yeah. want to <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't really I, don't, I feel like we've touched on a lot of it so much but like a final thought would just be like this is this is always going to be relevant this film and it can just be applicable to so many crafts but like in a modern current sense um especially with like lockdowns and people being stuck in at home and having these sort of like i don't know what the word is i've forgotten the word um, <laughs> difficulties that's the one having these difficulties and facing these difficulties just like it's got such an important message and I know like a lot of it's often spoken about like um with youtubers and other content creators and at the moment sort of like artists on Instagram just really suffering from burnout because they're like just constantly going and it's like the messaging it's just so important to take a break like you will be better for it and it's always going to be hard to do that like in the middle of it because you think if I stop like my world is gonna stop yeah we were just having this conversation before <laughs> recording but um I think a podcast I was listening to uh it was like just talking about just even if it's taking like a really short amount of time like part of your day like an afternoon or something where you just completely switch off do not work <laughs> do not do your craft don't do anything to do with it switch off and have some you time and some self-care you're going to be able to do your craft way better and it's it's really hard to do that <laughs> but it's just it it's easier said than done it's easier said than done yeah but it, it is so important that's why this film is still so relevant mm. <laughs> Um, and then just a little comment was on um, Gigi's, I mean, <laughs> uh, Beck said about Gigi being like the perfect merchandise. And I just love how this film constantly uh, has Gigi's everywhere <laughs> and points out like, oh, look, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in the store with the toy and there's like other images you see where it's just this little black cat. It's exactly like Gigi. They knew. <laughs> they knew it. They knew it. Uh, yeah. No, I, I uh, yeah, agree with that. I think uh, Ursula, we need that Ursula, we need that cabin in the woods. Just, I actually did that like once last year, literally went to a, a an Airbnb in the middle of the woods and just, uh, yeah, <laughs> broke out for a bit. So yeah, definitely yeah, that is harder, uh, easier said than done, but is also necessary. So I just need to remember that for myself, but good thought there. So yeah, let us know what you think about this film, how relevant you think it is uh, today. If you are a aspiring witch as well, we'd also love to hear from you because apparently those are fading out. So we're going to go into this week's storytelling tip. 
And each time we do a deep dive on a podcast, uh, I do like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their stories. So this is a consideration from uh, someone who's also creating stories. So like I said, a different story that we're working on in the Maya Matter universe. So I like to learn from the techniques uh, and or mistakes of others. So I touched on it before, but uh, for today's episode, I wanted to kind of talk about exploring theme through characters. And if you follow the podcast for like uh, any time, you know that I, I like to bring up narrative themes uh, and the stories we cover just because I like stories that are about something. So, so big ideas that make us consider or even reconsider uh, something in our own lives. And for me, it's a big compliment to be thinking about a story even after like all the credits roll. So when I say themes, I mean the central subject or message within a narrative. So it's what uh, you, the creator, are trying to say about life, like the moral of the story or the lesson that you want the audience to take away. So it's two different terms to consider. So you've got the thematic concept, which is what your audience thinks the story is about. So basically the plot. For example, two star-crossed lovers defying feuding families to find a way to be together. A thematic statement is what your story says about the subject. So, for example, love con conquers all. And then the plot answers the, the who, what, where, and when. So, for me, the theme is the most important feature of a memorable story. And Miyazaki is just a uh, master ex expressing theme in his stories. So, these character-driven narratives with depth. So I touched on Princess Mononoke, which is a story that explores the relationship between humans and nature, uh, which was so well explored with that four-corner opposition. So we saw Prince Ashitaka, Lady Eboshi, Princess Mononoke, uh, and Jigo, Prince Jigo, all come at this, this issue from different perspectives and different motiva motivations. Pixar is also great at this. So whether we're looking at a dysfunctional, superpowered family, a monster learning to become a parent, or the lost soul of a frustrated jazz musician, there's always something beneath the surface that drives the narrative and gets us thinking about uh, life. And it's about the, the link between theme and character progression. So the theme leads to uh, the lessons your character will learn by the end of the story. So in Kiki's delivery service, we see a theme of losing that creative spark after your skill becomes unfulfilling uh, work. But we don't just see it from one perspective. So we see Kiki, uh, the main character who does burn out and loses her spark. We see Asano who kind of represents the, the constant uh, work that eventually burns Kiki out. We see Tombo, who is the character without the skill in question, but fascinated by those who can do it. And we see Ursula, who is the other sort of creative who shares the, the value of self-care and a means to maintaining or like rediscovering that spark. Um, so when it comes to themes, one of the criticisms that I've come across is that having a theme can come across as preachy. Uh, so people, or sometimes people don't like to hear about it, but uh, this is only really if the creator so yeah if the creator has a strong view on a particular issue and then uses the story just to voice that one side so they're just forcing that view on the audience so it's not to say you can't express a view in your story but it's about the execution and how you do it so here are like four things to think about when um, exploring theme in your story so the first thing is what do you want to say so you want to determine a thematic question in your story that your story will ask 
and how that will show up in the protagonist's internal conflict. Two is to link the character arc and their progression through the story to that theme. So the changes that your character goes through um, between that first inciting incident and the climax at the, at the end will define like your theme and how that's represented uh, in the story. Uh, number three is to explore your theme through multiple perspectives. So you want to make sure that you're not just giving your one-sided view through all your characters, but that you're using your characters, their voice, um, to provide like a varied and conflicting perspectives uh, on that story's central uh, theme. And I also put a link to our tip on four-corner opposition because that's a good thing to think about there. And lastly, how can you use subtext and symbols to express your theme? So these can be used to reinforce your main character's attitude towards the theme, depending on where they're coming from. But it's also something that will help you avoid that preachy label. So avoiding that character entering a long bit of exposition, that is just the creator's voice, because um, that will put you in trouble. But if you can express your theme through subtext, so that's the things that aren't said out loud, or through symbols, you're then sort of adding layers to your story and leaving room for your audience to interpret, discuss, or even debate your story's themes instead of just being told what you already believe. So yeah, some things to think about. We'll make a video of that tip at some point uh, on YouTube. Uh, you can also send us your storytelling tips and we'll read them out on the show, whether it's a comic, a manga, game, book, or something else. You can send that to feedback at myamada.com or join our discord and let us know there before we wrap we're gonna i think we've got some questions and we're gonna check in on our guest as well yeah so we have got a few um questions and feedback that were sent in from our email social media so the first one is from at tiger on twitter and it uh, and they're asking us, have you read the book it's based on? I have not, but I feel like I want to see what that's about. And apparently there were more books made after the success of this film. Mm, I have not either. And someone recently asked me the same thing about Owl's Moving Castle. So maybe I just need to go on a get and get all the books. <laughs> <laughs> All the books for all the films. <laughs> but I'm just a bit cautious that reading the book might ruin the film experience for me. I've not read the book, but I've looked into it and I've read about it. It's a series of five and they were going on until like 2017, 2018. They started off in 1985. They're not obviously the same as the animated movie weirdly there's also a live action adaptation of the book series as well which is a film but everyone says that's terrible i've not seen that either i just have just you just looked at a lot of unanimous comments of people just going oh no a lot at that um <laughs> but it, it's it's got the basic setup is the same Gigi's there it's it's got some of that same setup initially um but it does change the relationships and it's those kind of all those other secondary characters that are more different. And then obviously usually um, Hayao Miyazaki goes off very much in his own direction with things. I think one of the most noticeable kind of immediate setup differences from what I've read of the book is that there isn't like a mother figure as much. So 
in the film version, we're very directly kind of given that, you know, she goes and moves in with some adults and then gets a, a sort of slightly replacement sort of boss slash mother figure in a, uh, a Sono. But in the book, apparently, she gives birth right at the start and Kiki's kind of running the business and that's kind of the point. So I think that's kind of going to be one of the biggest sort of where that tonal shift kind of comes in. So I'm interested to to read it. It's been translated into a whole bunch of languages, so it shouldn't be too difficult to to get hold of. But yeah, I would like to read it. I will probably at some point watch the live action one as well, but it didn't look great from the trailer. So I'm a little bit like, oh, that probably maybe that ruins both. I don't know. I, don't, I, haven't, just, I haven't seen it. I don't want to judge it. But the trailer didn't look great and didn't even have a cat in it. Ooh. What? No, Gigi. Nah. I didn't see a cat in the trailer. Maybe it just wasn't in the trailer, but I'm thinking if you had a magical talking cat in your film, it would be in a trailer, right? That, that's a no for me. I want to see it just out of curiosity, like pure curiosity. Yeah, and it's supposed to be based off the book series, but like she has like a red sash that makes me think they were trying to partly trade off the 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 animated film, but I don't know. That's I literally I've only seen the trailer for that one. <laughs> hmm. Okay. <laughs> there you go. We've not read the book or watched the live action, <laughs> uh, but we're all very curious about that. Um, and we have one from Alexa. Did you find it went slightly off the rails when she Kiki went in the wilderness with that lady? I know it's to build Kiki's confidence and such, but she always gave me such a weird vibe. <laughs> I think in this film it's fine, but in a different film, like A Cabin in the Woods is horror, yeah. right? But <laughs> in the world we've been set up in, I think it, it works fine, but yeah, only partly because just like even the people that aren't nice are nice in this world. I was going to say because I, I that didn't occur to me just because of the way the film's presented, but yeah, when you think about it, yeah, I'm just going off with this stranger in the woods in the middle of nowhere yeah that's kind of weird but i feel in the context of this of this story it was okay because everyone is just so nice i mean i was more concerned about the hitchhiking oh yeah i forgot about that <laughs> and also like i <laughs> yeah <that's good. laughs> and i was like oh okay but she knew the guy so she obviously like does that often enough because she knew and she was like oh i didn't recognize you because you look like a boy i thought see i had that or i took that line so different <laughs> i thought he didn't know her and was like you looked like a boy and then he realized that she wasn't and i was like oh no it's a girl i can give them a lift this is going to be one where we'll have to compare these lines in like yeah, I know. the Japanese subtitles <laughs> and then both dubbed versions to see yeah. if everyone's right. I think there was something <laughs> that she said that that indicated that she knew the guy uh, who stopped. I, just, I can't remember what it was. Mm, I feel like I'm going to have to go back and watch yeah. that scene <laughs> and and like Beck said, watch that in in all the versions. <laughs> <laughs> see if we can spot what's hinted at there but i think partly because this is set in a imagined kind of you know european town where there was no world wars and you know it's set in a weird bit of history which they've got stuff from the 30s 40s and 50s in this film plus witchcraft 
like they they you just you just know you're in like a safe space and the characters apparently all know that too <laughs> yeah 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 exactly um and i don't even know how old ursula is i kind of assume she's like 1920 like she's slightly older and wiser but she's not like old enough to be kiki's mum that's kind of the way i saw it is like she's like yeah, yeah somewhere between 18 and 20 she's like at the next stage of her own life development she's got it a bit more together but she's not like a parental figure is where i kind of thought of yeah, it yeah i definitely put her in like later teens but i wasn't sure because of the it's a story about a 13 year old that goes off on her own <laughs> i was like then is this character like just 16 and living on her own in a a cabin in the woods so it's like well no I'm not worried because they're just two teenagers like that are friends this is a slightly older teenager that is looking after a very independent 13 year old who's also a witch (laughs) is also a witch let's just put that out there (laughs) it's a big sister friendship type mentoring kind of thing and I think partly because when you're watching it subconsciously you do kind of pick up how other characters are mirroring parts of her personality like i think you just kind of and it's established very early on that big sister that this isn't a horror movie i think is what established <laughs> <laughs> cabins in the wood they only go one of two ways they're delightful and they fix you or monsters yeah. that's that's it and like literally every interaction even the bad ones in this are weirdly nice so <laughs> And next question is from Kawhi Prince MH. How would you feel in the eyes of Kiki being a young trainee witch flying around in the sky on your broomstick with your buddy companion, Black Cat Gigi? <laughs> well, um, I'm I'm dyspraxic, so I would crash as much as Kiki and I grew up with a black cat. So Oh really? Like the falling over and having a cat look at you really sarcastically in a way cats shouldn't be able to is actually my childhood about that age. So (laughs) I could relate hard. (laughs) I love that. You're like, this one's basically me. Yeah. (laughs) It's basically me, but like more incompetent um, and I can't fly. So, you know. So Kiki is way more extroverted than I am. So that story would go like we'd skip straight to the go to my room <laughs> bit in the story. <laughs> of that. It's like we're here now. All right, like, see you later. I'm going <laughs> going upstairs. I'll see you later. So it'll be a less interesting story. I might arrive at the same place. It'll just be a less interesting story. Uh, and I'm, I may let Gigi get the best of me more often <laughs> than uh, Kiki does as well. But you know what, Gigi, you're right. We are going to go back home. <laughs> it's a mistake, there's a lot you know? of buildings there let's yeah. just like go back <laughs> and... these are these are just buildings <laughs> what was i thinking see i always took that kind of thing as like there is a lot of buildings it's not just like they're buildings in a negative way but as in like there's a lot of things to crash into but that maybe that's just because <laughs> yeah. of the dyspraxia hard relate to the, yeah. the flying crashing stuff i kind of took that as that yeah i kind of got a mix of it mix of both those points <laughs> i was a bit like Yes, there is a lot of buildings. And uh, also you're going to crash into them, especially as when, I think it's when they're flying past the clock tower. I'm pretty sure Gigi makes a comment about crashing to them or like mind the clock tower. I can't remember. There is definitely some kind of comment on her flying skills (laughs) and the buildings. 
Um, I don't, don't, that's really hard because I'm not geeky. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love it, but I don't think I'd have a delivery business. I feel like if I could fly, that is the last thing I'm going to do. Like delivering stuff for other people on my broomstick. Especially since they have cars. It's not like they're lacking in transportation. Yeah, but she can do that line of sight delivery though. Just like straight line, I'm there. Yeah, but I feel like, <laughs> no, I, w- I would really struggle to find a why for delivering. Yeah, that's true. When I can fly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> why do I like, think you'd easily find a why for robbing banks and legging it based on your tone? <laughs> No, you're just like I wouldn't I, be delivering stuff. I'd be taking it. <laughs> I'd be like, no, it just wouldn't involve stuff like, like oh, no. sightseeing tours, or something taking mm. people on a, yeah. a magical view of uh, whatever the city was called. I can't remember made made up name that was clearly yeah. kind of influenced by Europe. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is all our questions for today's podcast but if you would like to send in your feedback you can do so to feedback at mymadder.com or you can jump in our discord or on our socials uh, at mymadder on twitter at mymadderteas on instagram or at tazzy on both before we leave you let's hear a bit more from our guest um, and any projects coming up so bex what what have you been up to as of late yeah this is where you can you know, you know the drill you've been here enough <laughs> uh, well i haven't been flying around uh, or visiting places or going or doing any sorts of deliveries i've been very firmly staying in my house and uh, from the confines of said house i Twitch stream full time at the moment, although fingers crossed I will be back on stage at events uh, as we reach the end of the year, which would be awesome. Uh, but I generally do a lot of geek chatter and nonsense. Uh, we, we build Lego, we hang out, we play retro games and um, just generally have a nice chilled escape from the world uh, with many, many tangents. So if anyone would like to come and hang out with me, I could be found as Trista Bytes, spelled B-Y-T-E-S, because I thought I was going to be funny and cause myself to have to spell that on every podcast ever. And I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, where I've got a bunch of videos and full time over on Twitch. It'll be lovely to see you guys there. Excellent. So make sure you do check out the lovely Bex and all of her awesome, cool content. Uh, so yeah, Bex, thank you for joining us for, I believe, is the the most anyone has joined us five times. I'm going to have our fact checkers on that, um, but I feel you've got, you've got, you're a current title holder. Excellent. I would like a really fancy over the top golden belt with like story X story, you know, like <laughs> as a really cool thing. Uh, and as I've always said to you guys, that the, the problem isn't getting me on to talk. The problem is shutting me up. That That is <laughs> how that works. So anytime, my friends. Cool. No, we appreciate you uh, yeah, joining us. And uh, yeah, that belt is sounding pretty good. I think I'm going to make one for myself. Anyway. Um, <laughs> robbing me already. <laughs> you kind of ward yourself <laughs> for being on the podcast that you... <laughs> you That's guys. it. I quit. To be you're fair, blocked, I do, I do have the most, I do have the most appearances. Just, just that's just facts. Um, so. <laughs> Mic drop. 
<laughs> so if you have enjoyed this episode of story x story make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode uh, also give us a rating uh hopefully five star rating on apple podcasts uh, to help us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions don't forget to check out our stories from the my matter universe those are available at mymatter.com forward slash manga we have current titles and we have serious through the fog coming later in spring slash early summer but definitely in progress and our next gamepad events are coming up so Ivar you're listening to this we've got our most recent Studio 77 uh, event uh, still available on VOD um, or we're heading towards the next gamepad event in the summer or you can join our discord so either way uh, we hope to see you there we release new episodes of the podcast on Thursdays and those include creator interviews video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture you can always give us a shout directly our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story so thank you for tuning in until next time stay safe and uh, yeah remember to find yourself a cabin in the woods take care everyone